Bidzy Small Business Society number 92. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. I'm Rob Beresoff. We talk to entrepreneurs and small business owners about what it takes to succeed as a small business owner. Connect with Bidzy Small Business Society at bidzy.com and grow your business. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers post projects for free in any of over 100 categories, including all types of home renovation, landscaping, cleaning services, photography, and many, many more. Now, if you're a business, Bidzy.com is a great way to find new customers because you are automatically notified each time a customer posts a project in your subscribed categories. So for example, let's say you own a roofing company and a customer posts a project in our roofing category. You are automatically notified via email or text and you can submit a bid at bidzy.com or use our internal chat system to introduce yourself to the customer and give them reasons why they should use you to complete their project. Monthly subscriptions start at $14.99. That's $14.99 per month for unlimited access to new customers and unlimited bidding at bidzy.com. Email rob at bidzy.com for more details or start your 30-day free trial now at bidzy.com. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Bidzy's Small Business Society. On today's episode, I am chatting with Tom Singer. Tom has over 25 years of sales and marketing experience and is an expert in branding, positioning, networking, and helping professionals grow their businesses. He is the author of 11 books and is a highly sought-after keynote speaker with the prestigious Certified Speaking Professional designation. Tom shares even more value on his own popular podcast called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Welcome, Tom. Thank you for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Can you first tell us more about yourself and then about what it is that you do? Sure. Thanks for having me on your show, Rob. Uh, I am, uh, you know, it, it, it makes me sound so old when you say I have over 25 years of experience, but I guess, uh, I, guess I do have that now. So We're going to dig in and go back too, man. So I hope you're ready. Awesome. No, I'm, uh, I'm about to turn 50 years old and everybody goes, oh my gosh, you know, how do you feel about turning 50? Well, I'll let you in on a little secret. My dad was 52 when I was born. And so I don't even have memories of my dad until I'm like five or six. So he's almost 60 before I ever even have the first glimpses of memories of him. And he was really active. You know, he retired when I was in seventh grade. He coached all my teams. He always drove me wherever I had to go before I had my driver's license. He was really energetic and really enthusiastic. So to me, 50 is just like the starting board. And my dad lived to be 99. So if I think about it, I'm, I'm just at that halfway mark at this point. So with all of that said, does that mean, Tom, that you have kids on the way right now? No, uh, I actually have, uh, I got a little head start on my dad. He didn't have my, my oldest brother until he was 36. So uh, he got a late start back for the 1950s and 1960s. I, I had a much more normal start and had my kids like in my early 30s. But uh, I have a 19-year-old and a 14-year-old and I've been married 24 years. And uh, seven years ago, I struck out on my own to kind of follow a dream of working for myself after, you know, a series of corporate jobs. And uh, I really enjoy what I do. I'm really, really fortunate. Great. And we're having this conversation because you went out at your own time. So that's great. So now take us back 25 plus years ago. How did you get your start in sales and marketing? 
So, you know, I was one of these people, I, I was kind of like a lost soul in college. I, I probably, you know, wasn't in the right place at the right time. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I look at people like my, my oldest daughter or several of my friends who like, you know, in fourth grade figured out what they want to do and they just strive for it and make sacrifices along the way. I, that wasn't me. So when I was in high school, you know, my dad was, you know, when I turned 18, my dad was 70 and they sort of had raised me with the fact that, you know, hey, something could happen to him along the way. But when I was 15, my mom got deathly sick and, and had a three-year unsuccessful battle with cancer. And so I was kind of lost. I started college. My mom passed away a few weeks after I went to college. And I just sort of floated around for a while. So I can't say that I actually had this grand plan of sales and marketing. But I didn't have a lot of opportunities. And, and I was you know, a personable guy. Everybody said, oh, you should go into sales. Yeah. And so I, I sort of bounced around from a couple different careers and I ran a photography studio as sort of the head of business development and marketing and, and did a few different things. But as I got older, that's when I sort of just started to get like a little bit of ambition and started to plan. And I started reading about careers and, and listening to, you know, uh, back then it would have been cassette tapes and, and going to, uh, you know, conferences where you'd have these motivational speakers. And I started to make out a plan that although I didn't know what I wanted, I knew I wanted more than what I had. And I, I just started making the efforts. I started performing really well in my jobs. I became really well networked in my community and opportunities did knock on my door. And that's sort of how I got started. And I ended up becoming the director of marketing for a law firm when I was, I don't know, I guess I was about 35 and I became the, the marketing director. And one of the things the managing partner said is I want you to create a seminar for the lawyers on how to be so engaged in the community. He told me I was really good at it. The lawyers sucked at it. And he wanted me to impart that wisdom. And I thought, oh, they're going to hate this. And, and I created a class on networking for lawyers. And I thought, they're going to fire me. And at the, <laughs> end of that, at the end of that speech, one of the lawyers raised his hand and said, I have a complaint. And I thought, really, in front of the whole firm? OK. And he said, this was the best seminar I've ever been to in 15 years as a lawyer. You should have had this as like three deeper dive seminars. And then he called the managing partners of all the offices in the firm and had me get on an airplane and go, go around the country and teach the lawyers these business development skills. And that's where I discovered that I had the ability to speak and to train. And I was in the Washington, D.C. office of the second law firm that I worked for. And one of the partners said, why do you work for us? You should just go be a professional speaker because you're really good at it. And I literally thought that that's a thing. I mean, I'd seen people do it, but they seemed famous. I'm like, that's a that's a real thing. And the guy said, yeah, I have a friend who's a member of this thing called the National Speakers Association. And so that's sort of how I got my start is I started in sales and marketing and I, I started training the people I worked with and speaking around town. And one thing led to another. And all of a sudden I was pursuing, you know, a career as a speaker and a master of ceremonies and a trainer and a coach. And I, I didn't know if it was possible, but that's what I've been doing full time for seven years. Tom, what a great origin story. I mean, you didn't even fully realize that you have this skill set until you went out and, uh, you know, cultivated it and allowed those others, other people around you to help you cultivate those those skills, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I, you know, I'd love to say that I was I was smarter than I was lucky, but it was probably the other way around. I, I, I had a lot of <laughs> luck about being in the right place at the right time. Now, I know you're using your podcast as, uh, you know, a value add, of course. Uh, you're imparting some of your wisdom and some of your insights on your podcast. Can you kind of walk us through your process there? It might be a little self-serving for me, but some of our listeners might also be in the podcasting game. So can you sort of walk us through your process with your podcast? Sure. Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do was born out of my blog. 
few years ago, and I don't know how many, call it four years ago, I kind of got bored with my blog. blog. I was an early adopter, probably 2005, I started my blog. I was blogging three and four days a week, and it really did help me sort of lay the foundation for my career before the internet was so overcrowded that search was useless uh, unless you were paying for it. And, and it helped me get a little bit of traction, but I got bored with my blog because all I was doing was talking about myself, my ideas, places I was speaking, things I was doing, things I witnessed, just pontification after pontification. And I started getting bored with it. So every Friday for, I don't remember how long, year and a half, I started writing a thing called Cool Things My Friends Do. And what that caused me to do is all week long, no matter how caught up I was in my own shit stuff, excuse my language, no matter how <laughs> no caught, problem. <laughs> we're probably going to cut that out. No matter how caught up I was in my own stuff, I realized that I had to pay attention to what people I knew were doing. So maybe somebody released a book, maybe somebody took, uh, you know, a trip across the country on a Harley, just anything that fell under cool that my friends did, I would write about. And what happened was those became the most read blog posts that I did because not only would my regular readers read them, but the people I wrote about would share them. And people started coming back to see what other cool things people I knew did. And what would I write about that week? Tom, give us a couple examples. What would fall under the umbrella of cool? Well, so literally, I'm a professional speaker. So a lot of friends I know release a book. So if somebody I know released their first book, I would write a review of that book and talk about how cool it was to get that book in your hand the first time. So I mean, I know what that's like to, to open up the box and smell the new book smell and, and to touch that. So, so that might be something that would fall into something that was cool. And another thing might be I was surfing around. The whole thing started because I was looking for something one day and I ran across a TED Talk that a lawyer I used to work with had done. And this was before, you know, TEDx had really become a huge thing that we all know lots of people who've done it. And I was like, one of my friends did a TED Talk? And I was like, that's cool. So I watched it and and it, it wasn't the like one that was going to go viral, like it was the best thing ever. But I thought, how cool that I know someone who did that. So I wrote about, hey, I used to work with this guy and I accidentally ran across his TEDx San Antonio, uh, you know, TED Talk. And so I wrote about why I thought that was cool. Uh, another friend, her and her husband, uh, own Harleys, and they took a week or two off and rode the entire eastern seaboard on their on their Harleys. And I thought, well, that's kind of fun to be able to take two weeks off. So whatever I wanted cool to be was cool, and it was my blog post. I could do what I wanted. And then about two years ago, people started saying as podcasts became more popular, people said, you need to turn cool things my friends do into a podcast. And I thought, well, who the hell cares about what Tom Singer's friends do? <laughs> and, and I woke up one night and I thought, a lot of my friends are entrepreneurs. I could call it cool things entrepreneurs do. And that was where the podcast was born. I did not know how important it was going to be to my speaking business. I get, you know, I get referred business to be a master of ceremonies or a keynote speaker from listeners of the show now. And I have my clients on and interview them as a way to promote their conference or some cause they have. So the reality is, is I had once again, no idea what I was getting into when I started it. I just knew that I like talking to people about what they do in their business, whether they're an entrepreneur or a manager or someone who works inside a company who has a real entrepreneurial spirit. I just get excited being around people who are doing interesting stuff. And now I get to call them up and say, hey, you want to come on my podcast? I think it's plain to see why people want to work with you, Tom. You are quite eloquent. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but okay. I did, I did say shit a minute ago. So. <laughs> Now, I want to talk about some of your challenges uh, along your journey. What were some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome throughout your career? So, so I, 
got this little bug under me that I wanted to be a professional speaker and I was trying to save up like two years of income so that my family wouldn't have to take any hits when I made the leap. But on April 1st, 2009, I had about four months of money saved up. So I had a long way to go and I got laid off and April of 2009 was the bottom, the bottom of the recession. I mean, you couldn't get any worse than that. And first day of April, you know, the irony isn't lost on me that I was laid off on April 1st. And I decided that day, I'm going to go pursue this dream of being, being a speaker. And we didn't have the money set aside. So for the first two years, we hemorrhaged cash. We ran through, you know, the savings I had, we ran through some other savings and I ran up a bunch of credit card debt. And it took me two or three years to turn that ship around, which meant that you know, it hit my family in the pocketbook. And so that wasn't easy and it wasn't fun. And my wife and kids didn't sign up for this life where we weren't going to have a standard paycheck or really good health insurance. And so it was hard, but I made sure that they were cued in as to what we were doing and what the upside could be. And we, we made it through and we're still not at the, the, the crest of the high of the upside, but I probably make more than I would make as a marketing director for a services company now. And I certainly have a lot more fun and have a lot more flexibility in my life. Would you sort of say, you know, with the bottom falling out like that, you sort of found out what you're truly capable of? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't even know that the bottom totally fell out. I certainly have a lot of friends who have reached, you know, deeper levels of, of, of the bottom falling out. But I did learn that when you're responsible for yourself, you can't whine. You know, like everybody, when you have a corporate job, something doesn't go right. It's that stupid boss you know, if I tell people, you know, my boss is an idiot, I have to go look in the mirror and go, oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> now, further with your challenges, did you ever battle imposter syndrome? And if so, how did you or how do you still, if it's still an issue, how do you overcome it? Yeah, so I've never battled that exact type of situation. I've, I've always been confident that I know I, I know what I'm talking about. And I really do make a difference in it for people. I I do battle the fact that in order to make this business work, a lot of people go out and pretend they're more famous than they are. I have a lot of people I've seen come and go in this business who have to go out and it's not imposter syndrome, it's imposter suit of clothes. It's intentionally being an imposter. You know, they they claim they speak more often than they do. They claim they make more money than they do. And, you know, we're all good marketing people. You have to you have to give it that little bit of spin and people could say, "Well, Tom, you certainly always talk about the positive." But I've seen a lot of people, you you know, the old saying, fake it till you make it. I've seen a lot of people fraud it until they don't make it. So it's, you know, yeah, you want to put the best face forward and get out there. But at the same time, people don't talk about sort of how hard it is and, and how they hemorrhaged cash. You know, I mean, I've from the beginning told people, you know, I hemorrhaged cash for two, three years. And people are like, oh, as, as a pseudo celebrity, you shouldn't tell people about the hard times because they won't chase after you like you're a guru. Well, I don't want anybody to chase after me like I'm a guru. So I haven't dealt with the fact that I feel like, oh, why me? I'm not worthy. But I have struggled with the fact that, you know, in order to be a big deal in this business, sometimes you have to you have to put on fancy clothes. And I, I, I mean, I'm sitting here right now in shorts and a T-shirt, and that's kind of who you get. <laughs> Absolutely. So I feel like, you know, maybe social media and a lot of the tools out there have sort of leveled the playing field to some degree, and we need to find ways to sort of um, rise to the top. Would you sort of agree with that or...? Well, it certainly has leveled the playing field. I don't think that I, as a non-famous person, could have built a sustainable, you know, speaking business and, and stuff, you know, 25 years ago. It would have been a lot harder without, you know, the ability to sort of reach out and reach people in the masses because my business is like 100% almost word of mouth. So people have to know of me 
in order to refer me. And they either know me because they saw me speak, they've read one of my books, they listened to my podcast, they've read my blog, they're a friend of mine or once removed from any of those things. Beyond that, I get very little business from people Googling great master of ceremonies or, you know, great keynote speaker. And the problem is, is that with the internet, yeah, it's a great leveling field, but there's also a lot of people who can position themselves who don't have that level of skill or experience. You know, when I Google certain keywords, there are people who come up who, you know, have no business coming up, number one, but boy, they have invested in the internet. So the internet's a great leveling field, but it also has allowed a lot of people without certain levels of experience to rise up to the top, which is making the clients very nervous because you hire a speaker who, wow, they have a great video, their websites kick ass and they get up there and they go, wah, wah, wah. And then people are really skeptical about who am I because they've been burned. So it's a great leveling field, but it's also making it harder for people to trust that, you know, someone is qualified because they've seen a lot of non-qualified people look qualified. Yep, totally get it, Tom. Now, you talked about how you're growing your business primarily through word of mouth. Uh, you also have your blog, you have your podcast, but what other methods are you using right now to engage with and grow your customer base? Well, I, I, I really, again, you get what you pay for with me and, and you have me as a free guest, so you get it all. Uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that I struggle with that like everybody else because there are so many ways to do it and I'm, I'm not willing to go out and, and pretend I'm something I'm not. I'm not willing to go out and fraud my way to the top. And because of that, you know, it's, it's an uphill battle. Almost all of my business comes from word of mouth. And that's great because last year I spoke, I don't know, between 50 and 60 times. And I'm already over 25 for this year as we come into June. So my goal every year, my business plan is simple. 50 to 60 speeches every year. Now, early on, it was less free ones than the year before. I don't really do a lot of free ones now, so that's not really an important part of my business plan. But then every year to make sure that my rates are going up a little bit, and that's my whole goal. The problem is, is that because I have to rely on someone seeing me or hearing about me and saying, wow, we're having an event, let's, let's talk to him, let's put him on the short list. If I end up on the short list, I win a lot. But the only way I get on the short list is somebody referring me, and that's hard. I have to find ways to, to grow that because I can't rely you know, on sustainability, on forever. The only way people knowing me is if they sat in an audience and saw me present. So I'd love to say that I have some wicked answer of how I'm going to grow the business and what I'm doing, but I'm just like everybody else out there. I'm Every single day, I wake up and the rock is at the bottom of the hill, and I push the rock to the top all day long. I go to bed, I wake up the next day, I open the door, and the rock is at the bottom of the hill. It's, it's almost like a cruel joke. I, I joke about <laughs> changing, the name, changing the name of my corporate entity to Sisyphus because every day that rock's at the bottom of the hill and every day I push it again. So you're, you're saying that you have to find ways. So again, we're talking to small business owners or talking to entrepreneurs, those home-based business owners like myself, like you sitting uh, in front of your computer right now in your home office, in your shorts. What can they do, Tom? What can they do to expand their customer base, to expand their reach, to uh, you know, find their target audience, find their avatar? Well, again, I think there's a lot of gurus out there who want to separate you from big sums of money to show you the way. And I know a lot of friends who just flushed a lot of money down. So the best thing that I've done in the last two years is I've gotten involved with a couple of different mastermind groups. And, and the first one is it's a group of it started with five and now there's four professional speakers who are all 
We started off all at similar levels. One of them has more than doubled his business. I mean, his business is going crazy. Mine has grown. A couple of other people have retooled their business. So they've taken a step backwards, but are moving it forward. But we get together, we rent a house somewhere in the country that sleeps, you know, that has four bedrooms. And we move in, we go to the store, we stock the kitchen, and we spend two days going through each other's businesses, looking at our marketing, looking at our website, looking at what we're doing. What The guy who grew his business the most, one of the things that helped is he had a brand new video. And he kept saying, my video was three or four years old and it wasn't really well produced in his opinion. And for the last couple of meetings, he's like, you have to do it. You have to get spend the money, get a new video. If you go to TomSinger.com and you go down to like the second tile down, it says, see Tom in action. And you click on that. It's a brand new video that just released last week. And, you know, I'm hoping it will have a material effect when people come to my site that it really gives a real good example of what they're getting if they hire me. Um, but that came out of my mastermind group. Who's like my personal board of directors kind of pushing me and holding me accountable. And Hey, six months went by and you haven't acted on this. And you said you were going to, you know, how can we help you if you don't do what you're saying? And we just beat each other up about our businesses and they know, you know, they've seen my financials. I've seen theirs. We know stuff about each other that, you know, probably I, I say they're like, I know more about them than my siblings. And so that has been really good to, to get a true mastermind group, not just a, Hey, let's start a mastermind group. But we created a group that has staying power. And I can never imagine, even if we stop meeting that these other three people wouldn't be part of my life and my business forever. We've become so close. And then the other thing I did is I started a group called the Cool Things Project because a lot of people, you know, don't know how to start a mastermind group, don't know how to put that together. And a lot of podcasters have these like big weekends where people pay a lot of money and do this. And I, I was like, I can't afford that. I just want, I, I just want to pay like $100 a month and have like a little, you know, group. So I started a thing for 600 bucks. People can join the Cool Things Project and it's six months long based on when you join, it's ongoing. And every Monday night I do a video hangout. And, you know, right now we've got six or seven people in the group and two or three or four show up and it's always different who comes. And for an hour, we just go through, what are you working on your business? What do you want to accomplish? You know, one person is changing jobs and wants to set up when she shows up at the job, she wants to set it up with a whole new way so that she changes, you know, her internal brand. So everybody's given her goals of what to do with her coworkers when she gets to the new job. And we have a private Facebook page where people are sharing things. And so I started that and yeah, I make a little bit of money on it, but even if I would cap it at 20 people, even with that, it's not life changing money at 600 bucks for six months. However, I'm finding that I'm one of the people who's getting held accountable. That group is helping me because I'm just, I'm just a participant as much as the guide. And I walk away when we give other people ideas, I walk away with three, two or three to do items. You know, one of the things I hadn't done was written anything for like LinkedIn pulse in a while. And I don't write for my blog very much because of the podcast. And the group was encouraging one of the people to start writing and just using LinkedIn Pulse as their blog outlet because it has good search engine optimability. Their, their network will see it. And so his homework was to write one by the next week. And I wrote in my little column, that's my homework too. So getting involved in some sort of a mastermind group where you have a group of people you're talking to regularly and you're sharing with and holding each other accountable, I think is the best thing you can do. And you don't have to invest $10,000. You can do it for, you know, couple hundred bucks or is, you know, the cost of renting a house with four other people. Absolutely. So new eyes, new ears, new perspectives. I mean, it really helps to keep us in check. And I mean, I think you spoke to this already, but my next question is, and I sort of make some notes here and I really want to sort of dig you for this one, but why is it so important to have a coach or a mentor in business and in life, Tom? 
Well, so whether it's a coach or whether it's a mentor or a mastermind group, the reason it's so important is that it's really easy for all of us, especially if we have that sort of entrepreneurial spirit where we're always thinking of a hundred things to go, oh, look, squirrel. <laughs> if you have somebody who's going to hold you accountable, who isn't your spouse, isn't your business partner, isn't an employee, all of a sudden there's something inside of us that says, oh, I'm meeting with them. I better get that done. So I, I coach uh, like attorneys on business development and they always tell me, they, they joke, they go, you're like my biz dev therapist. But whenever they know I'm coming to their office, they're paying me. They don't want to show up and say, I did nothing since last time you were here. So the day before I come, they double down and do all the work. Now it'd be better if they did it over the course of the month, but just knowing I'm coming makes them get it done. And, and I think that I find that in my own life with the groups I'm part of. Now, Tom, in the interest of time, I'm going to be jumping around here a little bit. Forgive me for that. But the next question is this. Do you love to win or hate to lose and why? I, I, I don't know that I can answer that question. I, I, I don't like to lose, but I don't necessarily love to win. I, I, love, I love collaboration, so I love it when we all win. Give our listeners something actionable here, Tom. What are you doing to wind down after a long or stressful day? Do I have to be honest? Absolutely. Be as honest as possible. And uh, man, the expletives are already in there, Tom. So, My wife and kids would tell you, I fall asleep on the couch too early, like 8.30. <laughs> they call it the 8.30 nap. But boy, by when I wake up at like 10, I feel great. And then I go to bed by 11 and I sleep through the night. So the 8.30 nap is, I, you know, everybody gets a little PO'd that I'm asleep on the couch and snoring, but it's, it's really nice. 8.30, the big wind down. Now... Tom, we didn't really talk about the word cooperation yet, but I want to get into this. This is one of my final questions. Now, what is the one piece of advice you want to share with our listeners about cooperation and the power of networking? So I have a, a term that I sort of created called cooperative significance. So when I work with people in companies or one-on-one, -on -one, everybody tells me the same thing. Now, they don't use the same words, but if I push them a little bit, people always say, when I say, what do you want? What are you striving for? What do you want? They always come up with some iteration of they want to be significant. They want to matter. They want to make a difference. And I argue that if you want to be significant, you cannot do it alone in a field because you can't just stand up and say, hi, my name is Rob and I'm significant because that would be weird. You don't get to proclaim significance and you can't fake it like success you could fake you could rent a fancy car you could wear fancy suits you could name drop all over the place about all the fancy people you have on your show and people would think wow he's killing it and you may or may not be i mean you could fake success for for at least a while but you can't fake significance because other people determine if you're significant and so my argument is if you want to be significant and, and i think we all do we all want to make a difference we all want to matter you have to let other people know they matter. So I call it cooperative significance because if you're not leading the way by telling other people that they matter, who the heck is ever going to tell you that you do? So this is a reciprocal relationship, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, but it's not, you can't keep score. So it's not like I could promote you and your podcast and you don't do crapola for me, but someone else sees me do it for you and then they promote me. So it's cooperative in the sense of society but you can't keep score. It can't be, I helped Rob and Rob didn't help me. Well, Rob's a jerk. Well, you might've been busy. You might not have had the right contacts. You might not have it in your DNA. A lot of people don't have what I call follow through DNA. Like inside of them, they say things like, let's get together for lunch. And then they never, ever, ever, ever call you back for lunch or, you know, oh, Tom, you'd be perfect for the association I belong to, to be our opening keynote speaker. I'll call, I'll call the, the, the managing director or the, the CEO of the association and give them your name. 
and they just never do it because they don't they mean to their intentions are they really want to help you but they get caught up in their own stuff and they never follow through but if you're always helping others someone's going to notice along the way and one of those real givers is going to spot it and they're going to help you so you know i just really believe that it's not reciprocal but in the sense of society it's like that old movie pay it forward if you're just out there paying it forward someone's going to pay it back to you Love that analogy. Now, Tom, what does the future look like for you and your business? Uh, I hope more of the same. I mean, I, obviously, I would, I'm would. i not at full capacity. There's days I'm at home thinking it would be great if I was at a conference speaking today. But I'm pretty close. I mean, I, I think I did 32 trips last year, and I still have a kid who lives at home. One, one is gone at college. And, you know, my wife and I still like each other, so I don't want to be gone all the time. But, uh, you know, I would like I would like just more of what I got. Like you said, Tom, we're all striving for significance. We're striving to matter. If people want to learn more about how you can contribute to that for them, how can they connect with you? Uh, I'm easy. TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. I'm at Twitter, at Tom Singer. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out there. Tom, I very much appreciate your time and for joining me today on Bidzy Small Business Society. You take care. You too. Thanks. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to Bidzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at Bidzy.com. Thank you for joining us today on Bitsy Small Business Society. Go to Bitsy.com for information and resources on how you can grow your business. Support Bitsy Small Business Society by writing a review and giving us a five-star rating in iTunes. Your positive review and five-star rating will allow us to continue bringing you free, valuable content from amazing and inspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Rate and review Bitsy Small Business Society today. 